and we're live. Uh, we apologize for being a few minutes late. It's, it's the things that happen in live streaming. Hey, welcome to Scale Up Heroes, where we bring the best minds with the best real-life experiences when it comes to scaling up businesses. These are the heroes that took on the difficult odds, and they are living to tell the tale. I'm your host, Randy Cantrell. And to all of our viewers, we would like to invite you to visit our website, scaleupacademy.io. Today, we're discussing scaling up sales. And I'd like to bring in now the moderator of today's program, Tommy Taylor. He's a manager of sales operations at Santa Commerce. Tommy, we appreciate you and all the panelists today. So I'll turn the mic over to you. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Randy. Uh, it's great to be here today. I uh, thought, thought we could kind of just start off the session just by letting each panelist in introduce themselves. So just uh, a few, maybe 30, 60 seconds. Uh, what their experience is, what their role is, a little bit about the company. So maybe Spencer, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, definitely. So Spencer Wiedemann, uh, I've been at TalkDesk for four years now um, and manage the EMEA sales team here, both for account executives and SDRs. I uh, joined the company about four years ago, starting actually as an individual contributor when the team was about 10 people um, and growing today to a little bit over 300 uh, globally on the team. Um, previously, I was at a company called Relate IQ, which was acquired by Salesforce, which is where I first started in sales, but uh, have been growing out the team here in Europe for about a year now. Very nice. Well, thanks for joining us, Spencer. Uh, uh, Joachim, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, I'm Joachim, uh, head of sales at uh, Zeitgold. Um, before Zeitgold, I was uh, responsible for sales at a retail analytics company called MyNotes, which was recently acquired by um, Telefonica last year, basically. Um, prior to that, I led the international expansion at uh, Orderbird, um, which is uh, IPPOS company. Um, and at Zeitgold, we automate uh, bookkeeping, payroll, and related tasks for uh, SMBs. Um, and basically, we save them roughly uh, 10 to 15 hours um, time per week uh, on these tasks um, because this is really takes a lot of time for, for SMBs. Um, actually, we are kind of fairly young still. Um, we are roughly, last year we started going to market um, to figure out and improve product market fit. Um, and now we are right in the beginning of uh, scaling our growth uh, engine. Um, and we are roughly 60 employees right now in Berlin and Tel Aviv. Okay, very nice. Well, well thanks for joining as well. And then finally, last but not least, uh, we have Pedro. Hi, I'm Pedro. I'm VP of Strategy and Monetization of Aptoid. Aptoid is uh, an Android app store with an alternative to Google Play. Um, I, I'm, I'm charge, in charge of uh, the monetization efforts for both ad networks and for developer services. Be prior to uh, Aptoid, I joined Aptoid last month. Prior to Aptoid, I've been working at McKinsey and Company for the last seven years and helping early stage startups in a pro bono basis on marketing sales topics. Okay, very nice. So thank you for joining. Uh, just a, a little bit about myself. So further to what Randy said, I am working for the, the Rotterdam, Netherlands-based Santa Commerce, currently doing sales operations. Prior to that, my experience has been more in North American companies looking to expand out globally. So first with a Canadian company and, and then with the Silicon or San Francisco based Double Dutch. And so it's learning a lot about 
the strategies that, that work in Silicon Valley that, that make Silicon Valley companies what they are. Uh, and so now kind of working from the European perspective to try and bring in a lot of those scaling up methodologies to this world here. Um, so yeah, getting into it, so uh, we kind of spoke a little bit earlier and we thought we wanted to focus uh, on three different topics. So we have the first topic being a little bit about focus and scaling up. The second one is then finding the right and attracting the right talent to bring onto your sales team. Finally, we want to explore a little bit on what you can do for coaching and development of that team. So you're building that team the way you want to build it. Uh, but before we get into that, maybe we could just have, have a very broad question up first. Um, Pedro, since you're right there, do you have any words to say on, you know, maybe what scaling up means to you? Do you have specific methodologies that you've used before that, that just helps to focus the team as you go through this high growth period? Sure. So more specifically for Aptoid, um, we have been able to to get the early uh, dollars in our bank accounts, mostly from the advertising side. So people, so app developers that want to to um, sponsor the app so that they show first. We we managed to grow this this business, but this business, and now we are very focused on doing the app building where in the, typically in this industry is where the money is. And in the last two years, we've been trying to make in-app building uh, successful, uh, but unfortunately not. So scaling for us has been, is mean to first to launch a new product that will be core on our effort, in our um, value proposition, and specifically having a clear value proposition uh, for, 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 for developers, which has not been in the focus. And Joachim, do you have anything to add? Yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we are looking at it um, on in a uh, slightly different way. We are actually thinking about the the scaling or the phase of scaling that we first need sort of the permission to scale. This is a signal that we either get internally or externally, uh, or both actually. Um, so externally, we see some traction um, on the product. We see that customers are using it and they can use it in a way that we feel like that is scalable and that really helps them. They love the product. They probably talk about it already a bit. Um, then we have an internal uh, permission sort of um, that we can actually scale. So internal processes work, right? Um, and then we have to be able to scale. So not only uh, processes in onboarding, customer success, um, work, but also in the growth engine uh, work. So basically, we can acquire enough leads. We can actually we have a, a customer activation uh, process, what we call it uh, uh, internally, um, that can be scaled. And once we have these two things, the internal and external signal, we are able to scale. Then we basically want to scale the the um, uh, growth team by basically hiring a lot of people. Um, making sure that we don't only increase sales on a on a, a total number, but also um, per individual. And um, this is, I think, the most important uh, thing to me. Scaling means that we increase the team size and make sure that they are getting more efficient. Right? Absolutely. And I have heard CEOs mention that as a, a big challenge of theirs is understanding the balance between these teams. So if you're looking at the marketing, if you're looking at the sales, you're looking at customer success, yeah. name a few, 
understanding where the bottlenecks are and, and where yeah. to invest that money moving forward is a large part of their role. Yeah. And then Spencer, uh, at TalkDesk, are you, uh, any specific methodologies you're using or what's the scaling up mean for you there? Oh, let's just unmute. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think we're probably in a little bit of a different phase than where like Yoakum's at with like gold in terms of having that validation from the market. So uh, I've been there at TalkDesk where it was early on getting those validations, kind of bring that all into the fold and understanding how to position for that next evolution. I think where we're at now is, is how do we figure out how to expand our footprint in Europe? Um, we've become more proactive in the market and that's what I'm focused on. Um, but also doing that, not just from a geo perspective, but also in terms of products. So launching new products and having new bundles around how we talk about the products, um, and doing that both with existing accounts and scaling that with, with the accounts that we have on the customer success side, but also how do we identify highly, highly likely candidates to go buy based on what we know about our customer base. Um, and that's when it becomes less of, I'd say, qualitative gut feel and more of a, a quantitative. We know that we win with these types of customers. We know that we need to go director or higher. And this is how we actually build that process and plug people in to be successful. Um, so I'd say that's, that's really kind of the big focus for us from a methodology perspective. The only thing I'd add is that outside of using a lot of the data that we have, um, what we always try to push our SDRs on is how do we build micro strategies every day to test a new vertical or to test a new market segment. Um, so whether that's going after insurance next week or going after banking or going after any of these different non-core uh, customer bases, so we can start to push on the market and see what's, what's out there for us. Very nice. And I think that's a great segue into our first topic. So if we go into the topic of focus, uh, one quote that I love saying, and I, I think I, I'm starting to risk saying it too much because I, I apply it in, to everything, but it's a, a Churchill quote where he says, you never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. And, and I love that quote because I think it relates very well to sales where you know, as a salesperson, if you stop and throw a rock at every barking dog it's kind of the idea that you're trying to appeal to everyone and and you're you're taking your focus after going after the companies and the customers that you know are going to be very effective so spencer you mentioned uh that you're kind of now looking to come into europe so of course you're coming over from san francisco you're going to portugal uh, what considerations are you taking as you're going into to new markets new countries yeah, uh, so kind of to start off with that piece, we actually decided to strategically move from a reactive focus on the European market to more proactive having people in market uh, when we had a very clear vision of what our, our ICP or kind of our ideal customer would look like. Um, and so for us, we have personas both on a, an individual level in the company, but also have almost personas for companies that we know we can go win in. Um, there's things that are early indicators for us that increase the propensity to buy for our customers. So for us, it's, you know, do you use Salesforce, Zendesk, or Microsoft? Um, because with TalkDesk, we integrate out of the box with that and it makes it incredibly easy. So there's a value proposition, Pedro was mentioning before, that's crystal clear. Um, and so when we, we think about it, we focus entirely on high level, what customers do we want to work with? And then we go find the people inside those accounts um, that are interesting to talk to but really it comes down to focus on companies and then also focus on geographies as well, just based on the, the complexities of Europe and, and selling in different languages and, and having uh, kind of even post sales support as well for these different languages. So it's, it's really focused on the companies and then focus on the, the territories. 
And, and Joachim, I, I know um, yeah, you're in a country that, that a lot of companies do want to sell into where everyone looks at the German market and, and sees it as very lucrative. Uh, being on the other side, how, how do you kind of go about considering what markets, what countries do you want to focus on? Yeah. So in my current role, um, I think we are, well, um, due to the topic, we are only focusing on Germany at this point, um, <laughs> because this is um, typically a highly regulated um, a market in each um, country, and it's totally different. Like bookkeeping standards are very different in every um, market and also payroll. Um, and therefore, we um, focus a lot on, on getting things right now in, in Germany. Um, uh, prior to that, uh, we, I, I led uh, the inter internationalization at a different market. And um, I think in general, there is so, so many amazing opportunities uh, in terms of new markets and no, new segments. Um, but as long as you didn't really figure out um, your, your home turf, let's put it like <laughs> that, um, it does really make sense to expand your scope. Um, this is really, um, um, really crucial, I think. Um, before you can actually um, uh, scale to other markets, you have to be able or you have to have figured out to scale in your, your home markets. Um, and I think this is something very, very important. Um, as Spencer said earlier, um, they are in a different stage right now. Um, and I think with scaling, you also have to think in, in a way that, you know, um, you do that over and over again. Um, and um, probably from 10 to, uh, from one to 10 AR, a million ARR, um, and then from 10 to 50 or 50 to 100 million um, ARR, um, that is always, again, scaling, but on a totally different process, um, totally different um, uh, requirements that you have there um, and I think it's the same with uh, going to different markets um, you have to start with the first one and then you you know incrementally test um, and then if a test really works then you know you go on scale there um, and then do that over and over again repeatedly and I know Spencer mentioned a little bit about micro strategies kind of going after specific segments do you have something similar in place where, where you're testing out kind of the value proposition against specific verticals or, or how do you yeah. come up with that focus there? Yeah, right now we don't do that. Uh, we test a lot. Uh, we test a lot of in terms of like which kind of pricing really works. Um, we test a lot um, in terms of like how do we want to split up the process, um, the, the sales process itself. Um, which task the, the SDR team takes over and which task the AE team takes over. But right now we don't um, test other markets because we know quite well which markets work and which market, markets don't work, um, which is something that we did last year. We um, acquired lots of customers from lots of different backgrounds. Um, and then we figured out for whom of them uh, the, the product really worked and where we had difficulties due to some requirements that are really specific to this, this industry, for example. Um, and uh, now we, we know that quite well and we want to scale on that um, for probably at least the next three to uh, four quarters and then um, probably iterate on that and then actually add new markets uh, or segments. Nice. 
And Pedro, uh, how are you kind of determining where to put your focus in terms of whether it be segments in, in verticals, whether it be markets, countries? Yeah, so for us, um, there is millions of app developers, um, but revenue is very concentrated on top developers. So we are aiming first to understand exactly what these top developers are interesting, uh, interest because money is there, but we are being very focused on, on app developers that are already working with other app stores, Samsung apps, Amazon, Cafe Bazaar, and so on, because if they are, are already with others, we know that they are more likely uh, to do it. We don't need to convince them to do it first. And second, we are also looking for apps um, that's in, that are very focused on acquiring users because at the beginning, what we can provide them is downloads. We can generate a lot of downloads. We can promote them. Um, and so we are looking for the ones that are really keen on getting users and they accept in exchange to, to integrate with our SDK. And then um, if we want to kind of expand the, the conversation a little bit onto the marketing side. So uh, I know two of the companies I've worked for in the past, the, the one was very strong on the marketing side where, you know, they had this very strong lead generation process in place. And, and as a result, we could have, fulfill a whole team of SDRs just basically following up on marketing leads. And that's what we were doing. And, and because of that, it was a little bit of a lack of focus where, you know, we were focused on every company that had a human resources department which is every company out there. And then going to my next company, it was very much the opposite where we were entirely focused on, on sales development and we had that outbound approach into going after the companies that we wanted to focus on. What do you think is the right balance between the two or what have you seen worked in your company? Yeah, so in, in, in my company, in Aptoid, um we like the, 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 we have been very focusing on, focusing on acquiring users, um, so but acquiring users. So the marketing department has been very focused on increasing the user base, um, both organically but also getting other partners such as OEMs and telcos to also distribute Aptoid in their in their phones. Now we are creating and scaling the the monetization team that, that has a relationship with developers. And this team, what, what, what we see that works the best as we have very concentrated um, revenue in the top developers and a, a very long tail, what we have seen is, having, is controlling this relationship with top developers. So owning the process and spending a lot of time in taking care, understanding their needs, and also learning from that. And towards the long tail, we have not been focused a lot, mostly just as we had such a large user base, we got those guys and now we have to think what ways we can monetize them, but, but not a priority. Certainly. And Spencer, you spoke a little bit earlier about, uh, I mentioned the, the micro strategies where you're going after a specific segment. Where do you see this balance coming in between the outbound sales development efforts versus the marketing inbound efforts? Yeah, so I think it depends company to company. So I think probably Zycle going after S&P versus markets probably a different uh, strategy than what we would deploy at, at TalkDesk. Um, early on, we were very, very heavy on inbound marketing, and it's it's always nice to have inbound leads coming in. Um, but we definitely have a, 
a focus on outbounding and specifically going after those ICPs and those target customers that we know, A, we can, can win and B, uh, we can provide value at. So I think those are, are, are hugely important. Inbound is always great. I, I find sometimes when you are trying to go after mid-market and enterprise companies, it can be a little bit distracting because you have a ton of inbound volume, but it's not necessarily who you want to be talking to. And it, to your quote earlier, I think the focus of a sales team, particularly when it comes to AE's time um, and those calories that you spend with customers that will talk to you but won't actually move the needle, um, they can be very dangerous when you think about an early team or, you know, with us here with just our, our first founding core account executives. Um, it's really important for us to focus. So that's where I think I tend to skew more towards outbounding and finding the customers that, that fit the profile and fit the strategy that we want to go execute on. And I think you make a great point there where it is different for every company. Uh, if I talk about the marketing company, we were more mid-market focused. So those inbound leads were, were more a reflection of you know, helping us identify the companies when there's thousands of companies out there versus yeah. going very sales development when you're going after very enterprise where it's a lot easier to understand you know, what yeah. your territory look like. For sure. And, and much of our focus now is on uh, branding and building uh, kind of the, the name in the market. So whether it's like Magic Quadrant with Gartner or uh, Dreamforce, you know, field events and being involved in world tours with Salesforce. It's, it's more about building the presence in the market because these are three to five year um, buying cycles when it comes to call center software. So you're not going to get somebody that comes on inbound and wants to buy you know, 500 seats tomorrow. Um, it's a, a process that takes time and, and it has to do with building in the market and, and growing that way. And Joachim, um, well, what do you see this balance being between the two? Um, actually, uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, at the company before uh, that I worked at before Minotes, uh, we also uh, mostly worked with the largest retailers in Europe, um, so also very heavily enterprise focused. Um, and we also had a, an SDR team that um, had a vastly larger role um, in the um, lead generation, um, but also qualification. Um, right now, when we talk about lead generation, we are focusing literally 100% on, on marketing. We get 100% inbound leads at this point. Um, this will change probably in the future as well, but um, this, this is the current um, status. And however, we do lead generation 100% through that. Lead qualification is something totally different. And um, we have an SDR team um, that focuses on that. And it is quite complex to figure out uh, the, the lead quality, um, whether we can and want to provide our services to, to this <laughs> certain lead, um, <laughs> which, which is an important part in our business, uh, actually, we, whether we want to do it. Um, uh, and this is something that we are um, really focusing on in, in the SDR team right now. Um, so it's not so much about elite qualification, but we also work heavily with a SDR team. And um, we are currently trying to figure out which roles we can, or which tasks can be um, actually front-loaded to the marketing uh, team um, in order to be more efficient. Um, but this, this is the current status. But I think that's a very good point that you make too, where I think I have spoken to some senior executives like CEOs that don't quite understand 
well, if it's an inbound lead and they're coming on our website and filling out a form, then why don't we just send it to the salesperson because it's a good lead? Yeah. But it, it is very important to understand, you know, there there is a quality part in, in, in the past that I've seen these leads even convert as little as 25 to 30% where maybe they don't realize what they're signing up for or maybe they're just completely not a fit for what it is. So having that, that SDR aspect to it to, to, to qualify, I, I think, is a very strong point that you made. So um, if we want to move on to the, the next two topics, maybe we can even combine them a little bit where it's building the, the right team. So building the right team so it aligns with your culture. The two aspects of that is first finding the people that you want to bring into the team in order to scale them up. And then how do you coach and develop these teams? So okay, if you're looking at um, finding the, the people that you want to bring into your team, uh, you probably struggle like, like a lot of people in, in a scale-up environment that you want to be sure that you're bringing on the right person, but also realizing that recruitment is a very time-consuming process. And, and so what do you look for when you're bringing on new talent or, or how do you define the types of profiles that you want to consider? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so initially we defined four different um, profiles that we want to hire and we're still hiring all of them. Um, but they all they all are sort of uh, different in terms of um, uh, kind of which experience they have in the industry, which experience they, ha they have actually in, in, in sales at, uh, itself. Um, uh, but we actually want to hire very um, heterogeneous um, uh, teams, right? Um, so basically, um, they all are slightly different um, in terms of what experience they have um, and kind of what their backgrounds are. One example could be they are industry experts um, that can actually challenge the, uh, the prospects' uh, opinions and um, ideas. Um, and that is, for example, people who owned a restaurant before, right? Um, then we have this, these different profiles and we are looking then at um, other values such as cultural values um, that lead to key competencies um, and skills that they all have, uh, need to have. Uh, and this is, for example, with us, coachability, um, resilience, um, whether they are good uh, team players or not. Um, and that's sort of how we define profiles and then um, build upon that, um, look into uh, kind of candidates and, and assess them. Okay, interesting. And Pedro, I think you're just on mute there, but I'll ask the same questions to you. Uh, what type of profiles are you going after when you're looking to bring new people onto the team? So before entering someone in the team, we have, we have been also using some third-party services, outsourcing um, some of our lead generation, because we, at this moment we're very focused on bringing, as I mentioned, larger app developers. So some of this we are outsourcing because we don't see that we have people with the right capabilities to do it. So, and we don't need them 100% of the time. So first we are using these services. Um, on the short term, we'll be hiring and these people, um, we have defined some key capabilities, but more than that, um, we, we either, for some of the roles, 
people can learn. So we are trying to focus on people that are smart, driven, but can learn with us because we don't assume that we'll be convinced them for, we'll be able to bring uh, senior people. For some more app developers, evangelism, we are bringing more senior people because this is something that you cannot learn from. So we are, depending on the position, we are trying trying different profiles and uh, and spending more, for example, in this app, div, app evangelists, uh, because these are key key uh, people on the on the company. Certainly, and I think that's very interesting. And I do want to come back to that in a minute with your experiences on kind of the outsourcing of it, where I, I have heard that question come up quite a bit. Is you know what are the pros and cons? Uh, of course, you have some um, agencies, if you will, that maybe give it a bad name. But is that necessarily is there the reflection uh, of the entire? situation. But before that, uh, asking Spencer here, um, I know that you, we, we have spoken a little bit before on kind of uh, going after profiles, you know, bringing on the right people into the, the company. What are you looking for when you're looking to bring on and scaling up the team? Yeah, so I think it's probably most similar to what Yoko mentioned. Um, there's probably two things, one for AEs and one for SDRs I look for. So for SDRs, I uh, really want to sense that they're hungry for it, that they want to learn, that they want to, you know, talk to people, get on the phone. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be a lifelong sales career for them, but do they want to learn uh, is kind of the, the big thing for an SDR because it's such a, a malleable role. Uh, for an AE, what I typically love to see, and it's it's no knock on, uh, you know, any of the Fortune 50, Fortune 500s out there, but I love to see a sales rep that's been successful year over year in a non-market uh, leader. So whether that's a startup, whether that's, you know, the, the second best CRM, whatever that might be, it shows that they can build a business case, that they can show value, that they can win in a scenario where they're not relying on marketing or relying solely on brands. So those are probably the two, two things I look for outside the norm. And to add to that, um, I think getting someone from Salesforce, at least in our case right now, would be, would, would probably not help because they have entirely different setups. Um, they have huge knowledge bases internally. They have uh, all these support functions um, that we probably don't have yet. Um, so the, they are probably not the right fit for the size of the, uh, the company for most of us. For sure. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I know, um, yeah, I've read Corey Bray's book uh, and he talks about, it's a sales enablement playbook and, and he talks about uh, you know, if you're looking to bring on new salespeople, you, you kind of have to look at, at the company you're in and kind of the market you're into where, you know, if you have a very complex sale, does it make sense to promote a very junior sales development person into that closing role, knowing that, that they maybe are lacking a lot of the skills that you need versus maybe a, a much simpler or a much more volume-based sale or, or maybe someone like that can be more successful. So. So again, it's scaling up. It, it's not one size fits all, but but realizing your market, realizing what you're selling into, to, to kind of determine what profiles you're bringing on there. So Pedro, maybe coming back to what you spoke about a little bit about earlier is kind of your experience with outsourcing. And I know myself, uh, I actually worked with one company here in the Netherlands who's really doing innovative things, where they're you know they're becoming a market leader in the fact that they're you know, being very social, being very personal, and kind of embedding their outsourced agents within their customers themselves. Uh, you, you kind of compare that to agencies that maybe do a little bit more dodgy practice with the outsourcing, have more call center environments. 
what has been your experience? Is that something you've been satisfied with or, or, or what have your thoughts there? Yes, so in our case, we have been, the, the fun, this, what they have been doing is we are basically leveraging their previous network. So we are complementing our network with, with theirs and other senior folks um, because we need to grow fast and for us to outreach um, large, large app developers, important ones, and to visit them, we have to tap in into the right networks. So that's, that's something that we have been using. Uh, on the downside, of course, when you outsource, outsource some of the functions, you stop listing everything. So you don't get all the feedback loop. You don't get every feedback. And at the beginning, as we are building the product, inter interacting, and, and so on, we, we lose some of the things. This is on the first side. And second, of course, uh, we don't control all the process. And, and, and these, guys, uh, these, these channels have their own interests. So you, you don't control the full process. Um, but overall, we, for what we have been working has been positive uh, because it's been a way for us to complement our network with, with these top-tier developers. So, and Spencer, your opinion is outsourcing something that either you have dealt with before or has the question ever come up? Do we want to look externally to, to get this kind of talent or, or keep it internal? So I've never done it, never been in a company that's done it. The, and we sell to sales teams, so we see it from time to time uh, where teams have outsourced or sales process. The, I'd say the pattern that we consistently see is that it's a repeatable, very uh, systematic process where you can also almost diagram, I'd say, the sales process in like a flow diagram. Um, and it, it seems like that's perfectly fine for some companies. For us and what we focus on and what we talk to our customers about is much more focused on how do you augment the sales rep or how do you make them more efficient, more effective, uh, more impactful in the sales process? So whether it's, you know, with calling, giving them a power dollar to outbound more, you know, 20% more per day or providing them with better training internally so that they know how to handle objections better. I think that empowerment is, is the focus from our team's perspective and, and typically what I've, I've seen as well. Same here. Okay. Uh, we yeah. never uh, outsourced yet. Um, also in previous companies, we didn't do that. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure whether that makes sense, uh, just as uh, Spencer said as well, uh, that makes sense to companies that have uh, a somewhat not uh, super transactional um, process. Mm -hmm. And where I have seen some companies adopt it is um, testing the water. So maybe if you come back to the earlier question where we're talking about um, identifying markets. And so if you're a, a San Francisco based company, for example, and you kind of want to explore maybe, you know, is there a market for me in Europe, um, finding a reputable agency in Europe that can kind of do a little bit of sales development for you. And you can kind of see what leads come out of that. So before you make a, a considerable investment and go and open a, an office in Dublin or wherever, you know, kind of having a better idea of, of what can come on it based on a few conversations. But if, if we move on a little bit too, in, in now if we, we've recruited teams, how do we build the right team and the right culture? And Spencer, maybe it's good to get your thoughts here because you, you have kind of gone through this and gotten to a later stage where maybe in the earlier gritty days of things, it's less structured where, you know, a lot of salespeople are, have the responsibility upon themselves to understand how the process works, what do they need to get done? 
how do they do it? And, and so maybe without that structure, you get more of a culture where everyone's working independently of each other. It, it's difficult to duplicate the success. And, and then a lot of companies then come in and, and structure things as they better understand how their sale works. What have you done? I, I talked us to kind of, have you brought structure? How have you kind of enabled the team to, to succeed in that sense? Yeah, so spot on, Tommy. Early on, it was uh, we didn't really know what necessarily was the predictable sales process or how to make somebody successful uh, every single time they came in. Um, it's still a challenge to do, uh, even though we've done it for a while. Uh, but early on, it was like, just jump on, look at my calendar, jump on calls. You don't have to ask me to join. Uh, you know, it's totally fine. I'll just introduce you and, and show you that you're there. Uh, now it's much more, you know, built out where we have onboarding and training. We have a sales enablement team that's going through the process and, and building out, you know, the companies that we talked about, the personas, what are their buying methods? What do they object about? So it's much more prepared, I'd say, going into it than, than the early days where it was kind of a, a mad dash to get your first deal in. Uh, and now it's, it's more methodical and, and built around uh, the training portion. Uh, but we still do heavily rely on the buddy system and having, you know, an experienced rep work with an experienced or an experienced AE or, or working with the SDR. So it's, it's uh, I'd say, a little bit organized in the chaos, but still, uh, still definitely fun to bring new people in. Certainly. And what have you seen come of this? Like, has there been benefits, like less employee turnover, more or more people being successful? And was there a point that, that you got to that you felt that this kind of structure was now necessary? So I think it, it got to the point where it was necessary once we, uh, I'd say, moved past that first iteration of the first core team and started to say, hey, you know, these five guys have been successful. How do we make it 15, 20? Um, getting to that next evolution where it's no longer just kind of putting in the hustle and making deals close and more about how do we actually build the process around it sustainably. Um, in terms of what we've seen, it, it dramatically helps around things like ramp time, getting your first deal and having that early momentum and that early success is so critical for our reps here. Um, and I think it's true in any sales process to have that, that mental state of I can close, I know how to close here. Um, so for us, it's, it's huge in terms of getting the, the guys and the, the, the women to come on board, ready to go. Interesting. And then opening the, the same question up to the other two gentlemen on the panel, where, um, maybe Pedro, where are you currently with, with your company? Are, are you kind of more in the, the cowboy phase or have you brought process and structure into it? More cowboys, uh, <laughs> but, but but we try to, to codify the learnings, what is, has been working so that we can rapidly pass on to the, the other members and we can leverage on, on the next interactions. Uh, we have, for example, an Excel tool um, and other tools where we try to, to include all that information so that we pass on. And, um, and yeah, basically very focusing on, on sharing all the information with the team uh, that has been working. That that mostly is. Okay. And Jackie, anything on your side? Yeah, there's a lot of things. I, I think uh, we we do um, quite a lot of the things that uh, Spencer mentioned already. Um, we do that as well. We recently hired um, our first sales enablement lead. Um, who's going to formalize it um, even more, the, the onboarding and the training, the ongoing trainings um, to a point where we also build our internal systems like the CRM system, the CTI and the sales engagement tools 
around this in order to help everyone follow the best practices um, and actually make sure that we have this kind of self-explanatory. Um, so lots of um, products out there are actually pretty simple uh, in, a, in a way that we um, kind of build them so that customers can use them without knowing the product um, in the beginning. And that's how we want to build our sales process as well. Um, so that new reps can uh, ramp up as quickly and as easily as possible. Um, and I think it's the same. Uh, the sooner we get them ramped up and, and get them celebrating their first successes, um, the better it is for, for the reps and also the company. I think, therefore, it makes sense to do that as quickly as possible because you're paying the salary of the, the uh, sales reps uh, anyway. Um, so you rather get them um, really productive and efficient. And just to add to that as well, what Yoko mentioned, um, the big thing that we've done and shifted probably from the early days with, uh, with the way that we structured our CRM is that the process that we follow, it doesn't really matter whether it's Sandler or CCS or whatever process, it just matters that you follow some process and have a predictable way to talk about it. So for us, to, to your point, what we've done with our Salesforce talk to reps about and they can understand consistently what, what the process is, where they're at objectively in the, the sales cycle or in the SDR cycle. Um, so it's a huge, huge step for us that we took, whereas like, let's take what, what we want to do consistently and bring that process into Salesforce. So it's everyday living, breathing it. Certainly. And I think I'm a little bit biased there because that's where I've made my living is working on, on that system side of it. So I'm understanding you know, our Salesforce instance or our Dynamics instance, whatever you're using, you know, how is it reflecting the sales process that we want to follow? And so, you know, is this system something that's slowing us down and, and preventing us from scaling up even quicker, kind of working against us, or have we been able to administer it in a certain way so it is helping us achieve what we want to achieve is, is a big part of it, but certainly is. But not going too deep into that because it, it is my world and I'll talk all night. <laughs> Uh, but just, uh, I, I guess, uh, just a, a quick question on the training aspect of it. And so if we want to train our reps, uh, I know a lot of people have kind of said looking at more junior reps and as long as you have the drive and, and what you need to succeed, then, then we can kind of teach everything else. What do you find works with training where maybe you have junior reps and you're teaching them more of the sales, or maybe you have also senior reps and you're teaching them new way to do sales, like, like social or, or GDPR, GDPR compliance that they didn't have to, to deal with earlier. So, so what kind of coaching and, and training cadences have you set up for your teams? Maybe Spencer, do you want to take the lead on this one? Yeah. So I think uh, some of the coaching and training, like the junior rep to the, the senior one or moving an SDR to an AE, that's something that we always want to promote. Um, we want to set the structure so I think things like that, uh, you know, there's the sales enablement. They go through, if they're moving from SDR to an AE, they go through the normal onboarding process for an AE. So there's a lot that we try to do to insulate the process and help them get everything that they need to to move to the next phase. Um, but other than that, I think, I think the big thing is just continuously following the process, whether that's following the Salesforce methodology and CRM methodology or having for us with the process, we have uh, kind of the initial workshop that we typically do and then have a 60, you know, 90, 180 day check-in uh, with the, the different teammates to make sure that they understand, you know, it's, it's I think the, the big thing with sales, it's not necessarily rocket science. Um, a lot of times it's, you know, remembering the little things and being able to execute on those and go back and constantly revisit them as something that's important and that we want to do. 
Certainly, and opening it up to uh, the others, Pedro, is this something that you've taken a look at too, training and, and development of your team? Not, not at this phase. As I mentioned, we are still in the early phase of scaling, so we're still learning. So we are mostly codifying what works rather than spending a lot of time on, on teaching because we, we're still learning a lot. So we're not yet at this stage. Okay. I, uh, I want to probably only add um, that the, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of, of diverse teams um, because then you have also uh, someone, kind of this buddy uh, system where everybody can learn something from, from the others. Um, and if you implement this idea, how do you want to do sales at this company, um, then getting new uh, reps together with um, and, and budding them up with new reps um, really helps uh, to also translate that to the others. Um, and I feel like it's easier to teach sales to people who didn't do it before um, than to teach the way how you want to do it at a certain <laughs> company um, to, to people who, ne like, who did it for years already. Um, just an idea, but I'm not 100% I'm not sure whether that's um, only the case for this um, kind of the, the, the task we are uh, hunting. Um, it's this SMB um, sales that is probably sometimes easier to teach um, compared to enterprise sales. But uh, I think still it's true with enterprise sales um, to some degree. Certainly. So I know we're just coming up to kind of the end of the 45 minutes here, and I'll pass it off to Randy here in a moment. But before we do that, uh, kind of relating it to the scaling up methodology that we use at Santa Commerce, we actually call the methodology fitting and upscaling up. And one of the aspects of that is we have a one word close to every meeting that we have. And so I'll challenge the group here with that. Uh, I'm not going to be strict. If you use more than one word, it's, it's fine, but it's just more just a very quick idea. So uh, we spoke about a lot of the different aspects of scaling up for sales teams. What do you think is the most important aspect to consider while you're going through this scaling up process? Okay, do you go first? Yeah, people. People, nice. Pedro? Um, more than one word. So having a clear value proposition because otherwise your sales wrap will be uh, all over the place. Uh, and Spencer? For me, it's uh, focus. Focus. Very nice. And so with that, I'd like to conclude. I'll, I'll pass it off to Randy. Well, give us your word first. My word. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have gone last because I would have said focus. Um, but yeah, culture is what I would say. Good. Listen, thanks, guys. And, and we want to thank our audience for watching this, uh, this edition of Scale Up Heroes. And a special thank you to all of our panelists, especially you two, uh, Tommy, for leading the conversation. We invite people to visit our page at scaleupacademy.io to learn more about us and what we do. And if you liked this live show and you found it valuable, please uh, hit the like button, share today's show. I'm your host, Randy Cantrell, and I hope that you'll join us next week when we plan to talk about scaling talent. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.